This is a Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Novels, presented by Westside Honda and 204 Skate Shop. Motocross news from around the globe, but mostly between Emerson and Brandon. We're not experts over here, but we've got microphones. Check us out on the web at BigMXRadio.com. Today on the Big MX Show, we've talked to number 99, Justin Starling, on the XEO Entertainment Honda. We talked to him about the adversity that he's faced so far in the 2014 250 East Coast Championship. The worst crash I've had without breaking anything. And some of the reality that many privateers face in our sport. I broke my race bike in at Dallas. The first time I ever rode it was Friday in the pits. We also combed through his amateur career and gathered some stories. I'm just sitting there, my mom going, you might not get this title. I'm like, what are you talking about? Justin Starling is a rising star in the motocross scene worldwide. Welcome to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles, TransCanada Motorsports, Westside Honda Polaris, Capital Motorsports, and 204 Skate Shop. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line, two-time Loretta Lynn Championship, number 99 in your program, and number one in your hearts, Justin Starling. How's it going, buddy? Going pretty good. How are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Just uh, here at home recording a podcast with uh, a top 100 uh, Supercross racer down in the States. Uh, it's a highlight of my day, I got to tell you. <laughs> right on. That sounds great. Sweet. Uh, so, uh, set the scene. Whereabouts are you? I think uh, you're down in Florida right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm down in uh, Central Florida at my house uh, in Blank, Florida. Just mm-hmm. uh, took about a week off uh, from St. Louis and uh, just got back on the bike, starting to ride a little bit of outdoors uh, to get ready for the for the outdoor series. And uh, yeah, just just keeping it uh, keeping it on two wheels. Okay, so for for those who don't know, like your race bike, obviously, um, like I don't know what your your budget is in terms of bikes that you have on hand, but is uh, is your 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 national setup basically your supercross bike with national suspension, like a different suspension settings, or is it a completely different motorcycle altogether? Uh, nope, I have uh, two two motorcycles from uh, Altus Motorsports. Um, I have a practice bike and I have my race bike, and basically all we do is put you know different setting and suspension and change the gearing that's a, <laughs> that's about all we, we're gonna do mm-hmm. uh i actually run the air fork um in supercross and we're gonna go back to the spring fork for the outdoors okay but uh yeah my my suspension company uh gps uh gary Buker at gps suspension makes my suspension just unreal and nice. it's a great uh great air fork setup that we ran for supercross but uh we're gonna finish supercross out on the air fork and then uh, I go over to the spring fork for outdoors, and that's really the only uh, big change we make besides just soften suspension up. Right on. And uh, wh- like, why is it that you're going to the spring? Is it just a little bit, uh, you get a better feel from it, more tunable from, from your guys' point of view, or, or why is that? Uh, I think for Supercross, the setup that we had for the Air Fork that I was able to test a lot over in Germany uh, with, with GPS, uh, we just had a really good a really good setup with the front end and uh, I figured we might as well just carry that over to, you know, the, the 250 class over here in the States. Mm-hmm. And uh, for outdoors, we have a really, really great setup from even last year that we're going to go ahead and just start with on the spring fork and um, yeah, and just and start testing, uh, start testing with that uh, next week. And, um, but yeah, we have a good air fork setup for supercross. We're, we might try it a little bit for outdoors, but I think such, we have such a great setup from, 
years past that we're just going to go back to what we know and and build from that. Right on. Uh, so how does like obviously you get a full on production bike from the shop and then from there is it basically just a full on teardown? Like uh, I know you got some sponsors like your uh, Mika Metals uh, bars and pro circuits helping you out as well. Like do you just like tear the damn thing down and, and basically bolt on uh, the goodies that uh, you need to make the thing go or, or how does that yeah, work? Yeah, that's basically exactly what we do. We, uh, we got the bike. And as soon as I put it out of the crate, we pulled it to a frame. And uh, I actually had a spare motor the, that I uh, bought from a friend and had my motor guy, BPM, uh, build it up. I put mm-hmm. that motor in it and basically started bolting on products from all my sponsors. And that's, that's about all we got. We're, we're a full production bike, no factory parts whatsoever. But right. um, I don't really... I never really rode a factory bike, so I don't, you know, I don't know any better. So it's it's a great bike, and I'm really happy with it. No, like the 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 bike that you're on looks strong. Uh, it's uh, like I've noticed a lot, and like this is this is a, almost it seems like almost pandemic. The uh, the Hondas from the per, the at least the 250 class are absolutely littered throughout the. Uh, the whole pack, whether it's the the factory guys or the the pri- privateers, but the privateers especially are on the Hondas. Any reason yeah. why that is? Other than I mean, Hondas rode, being a really solid a, package. Yeah, I rode a Honda last year, and, and I, you know, last year I decided to do it all on my own, and I had a choice of whatever bike I wanted to go purchase, and I bought a Honda, and I was really happy with it all year. I never had any problems with it. It was just, it was great. And I was able to ride the, the 2014 with the new chassis and, mm-hmm. you know, the dual exhaust and everything. And I, I, as soon as I rode it, I, I knew this was the bike I needed to be on. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I went ahead and got the, the 2014. But I think people understand that they're, they're the best bike. You know, they really are, you know, from the chassis to the motor, you know, everything. It's just one great bike. You don't have to do a whole lot to it to make it perfect. Right on. Uh, as far as testing wise goes, uh, how how much um, how much do you dedicate to testing in the off season? Uh, where do you do your um, where do you do the majority of your your testing, and which track do you go to? I know some guys go, uh, will invest and, and go out to California. Though so obviously, there's got to be some supercross tracks in and where you're at. And also, what do you do off the bike? Like I know uh, who, the guys you're going up against have some pretty solid programs with some excellent. Uh, trainers and stuff how do you keep up yeah i mean for testing um we don't do a whole lot uh just because we didn't get bikes till so late in the uh in the off season um but when i when we were able to do testing we go down to uh james stewart and malcolm stewart's house and mm-hmm. uh wow. we we're able to we're very fortunate to be able to go ride there and they have been really great to me over the years and uh yeah so i go down there i try to do what i can with testing it's great for supercross because they have two tracks that are a little bit different dirt and you can really adjust your suspension to both settings and you can get a really good setup with both but uh yeah for for being off the bike um i do everything on my own i go through and set up my own schedule throughout the day and you know being as a privateer i don't have a whole lot of money to go pay mm-hmm. you know a trainer forty thousand dollars a year to do something so i do it all on my own uh, i have a concept rower uh a concept those things are key machine. yeah that that thing's my baby <laughs> i love it but uh yeah i do uh I have a, a Tomac mountain bike. Uh, I go ride uh, trails on that for that's my cardio really with with my rower and my um, mountain bike. And then uh, I've just started doing some weight stuff uh, in the past year, and 
yeah, I, I try not to do a whole lot to burn myself out, but I, I really stick to a lot of cardio. Yeah, like definitely, I think uh, it's been proven over the years, you don't need to be a bulky guy to uh, go fast on a dirt bike. And if anything, it actually kind of inhibits your range of motion and some of those other things. Uh, it is good to have some strength to back that up because you need to wrestle this motorcycle around. But uh, I think the the main thing is to have the endurance to be able to uh, hit your marks every single every single lap and, and just like... Uh, just have that muscle endurance to be precision for uh, for the forty minute motos, which you'll probably you'll be definitely doing this summer. Yeah. When yeah. Uh, when does the the nationals? I guess like you you've started racing like uh, preparing for outdoors already, or uh, yeah, when does that yeah. really start? Uh, the outdoors start. Uh, I think it's May twenty fourth at Glen. Yeah, but uh, when does when does your preparation for that start? Uh, it's already started. Uh, oh, good. Started, yeah, we started. Um, we haven't started any bike stuff. We're going to start testing outdoors uh, Monday. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, we uh, physically I've been, I've been preparing since last year. I mean, you, yeah. you can't build endurance, you know, in a couple of weeks. You have to do it over time. So, uh, But, uh, yeah, I've definitely started kicking up my program a lot more than, uh, than I have been in the past uh, couple months. And, uh, yeah, so I don't, that way I don't burn myself out, you know, too early or anything like that. So. But yeah, preparation started last year, but uh, really going to start getting into it uh, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, like uh, you, um, who who do you train with down there? Are you flying solo? Like you having to um, motivate yourself nonstop, or do you have a couple of guys that uh, you you train with? Uh, like I, you you mentioned the the Stewart brothers. Sorry, you're pretty tight with those guys. You head over to Haines City and uh, uh, and and moto down with those guys and train with those guys, or. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I do a lot of a lot of my training by myself. Uh, I don't ride the Stewarts like every day, like I wish I could. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I go to the Stewarts, I'm able to ride with Malcolm and uh, James is usually off in California. But uh, right. yeah, I'm able to ride with Malcolm a lot, and and that helps me a lot. But usually, I just try to look over what my weakest weaknesses are, and basically, I just race a stopwatch. You know, I have my mechanic have a stopwatch on me the whole time, and and I just race my times really and try to get better. You know, from watching films, I mean, I watch supercross races and outdoor races every night to see what I'm doing and what I can do better. So it's really, it's really all by myself. Um, but when I can, I, I do try to ride with other people. Perfect. Yeah. So uh, you, you're, you're a true moto addict, and you just, uh, you, you got the motorcycles going in your head, whether you're on the track or, or before you head to bed, you got uh, panic revs uh, going off in your head. <laughs> Pretty much the whole time. Right on. Uh, what are your plans for the outdoors? As uh, I believe, uh, are you done for Supercross for the season? I know, like uh, we'll, we'll jump into the, your progress for the season, but it, are you effectively uh, done um, um, bull turns for the for the year? No, no, we have uh, we have two more uh, in New Jersey and two. That's weeks. right. You know, yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, and then mm-hmm. uh, yeah, then the following weekend is, is Vegas. Uh, right. I'm going to ride outdoors pretty much all next week, and then the following week I'll go back to Supercross. The you know, for three, two or three days before uh, uh, New Jersey. Um, I mean, I, I've been riding Supercross since October of last year, so you know, riding this a couple of days before the race won't hurt me. You know, so uh, yeah. But um, yeah, we have two more rounds, and uh, then we're full fledged outdoors. Okay, fair enough. So you're planning on uh, on doing some uh, all of the like the full full length of all the uh, the American Nationals, or if something may uh, work out to uh, pull you north of the border, you wouldn't be uh, too opposed to that, would you? 
Yeah, as of right now, I plan to do uh, all 12 um, of the outdoors here in the States. But, I mean, if something were to open up and, and the option to go to, to Canada and race up there, I mean, I would absolutely take it. It's uh, something I've been wanting to do, and, you know, I thought I had the opportunity this year, but it didn't work out. And, uh, but, yeah, if there was something to open up or some way for me to get up there, I mean, I de- it definitely wouldn't stop me at all. Excellent. Now let's jump into uh, the series that you've enjoyed so far. Like uh, you've like for for lack of a better term, you've been absolutely destroying it from from a privateer's uh, platform. From from my point of view, anyway, uh, topping out fourteenth in uh, your best finish in Supercross in in Atlanta. What was so yep. special about that night? I believe that was actually your first time making the main for the whole year, and you come out and you put yourself in the top fifteen. What was that night like for you? Yeah, that night was good, uh, especially after Dallas the week before. Uh, I had a big crash in the heat race while I was running six with like two laps to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to go to the hospital. The, the Astros medical unit made me made me go to the hospital because of mm-hmm. me hitting my neck so hard on the handlebars. And uh, so that was really just, a, it was kind of a bummer to start the first round going to the hospital and not racing the rest of the night. And uh, yeah, to come back in Atlanta, like my, I didn't really have any expectations because I didn't really have any idea of where I was going to be. And to come out and, and, you know, make it straight out of the heat race and then go to the main and, I came from very, very far back. I crashed in, I think, like the second corner and I uh, was able to make it up to uh, the 14th, which was actually my best finish ever. Was uh, It was really a really, really good night for me and I was really pumped on it. Yeah, uh, you you're on fire. You're on your, your, uh, your privateer Honda and uh, you're just... Um, I, 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 I gotta like you've gotta hand it to you. You really put the boots to some of those guys that you, you really hung in there uh, on the... Uh, you were ahead of Gannon Audette. You're ahead of uh, Rock River Racing's Alex Martin, Jace Owen, Ryan Zimmer. A lot of guys who uh, hold a, a higher national number than yourself, and uh, yep. you, um, you you put it to them. So that was an excellent ride for you. Um, about the like the a couple of the other rounds, you've you've scored points in I believe four of the rounds so far, or maybe five altogether. Um, what uh, what were your goals coming into the season, and uh, how do you, how would you like to finish it off? Uh, the goals coming in really uh, was just to have fun and and see see where I line up and and to just better myself. There was no really finished goals or or anything like that. It was just to to make make sure that every weekend I had a positive coming out of it and something to work for the next weekend and. You know, I've had I've hit the ground three times this year, and and one of them while I was in fourth place in Detroit in the heat race, and and that putting me out for the rest of the night as well. And and other than like that, and I had a crash in Daytona and stuff like that. It's been a really, I think, a positive uh, Supercross season so far. And uh, yeah, I've been able to make four out of I think the seven that we've raced so far. Yeah. And uh, the only reason I didn't make the other ones was because of crashes. So it's not every every other one I've made it straight out of the heat race. So it's been really awesome. And uh yeah, what's kinda cool is I have the last two digit number you can get and this year already I have more points than I had last year. And it took me all year last year to get those points. So I think it's been really positive and and I'm really looking forward to the last two and then being able to carry that momentum over into the outdoors. 
Right. Actually, I, 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 thought, I thought you were just a huge Wayne Gretzky fan, and that's why you were running the number 99. Um, <laughs> being a hockey fan, that's just what I assume when I see that uh, that double digit there. But uh, no, you, you, you win yourself a, a national number, and you're, you've had a lot more success this year than you have in, in past years. I think this is the – you didn't race Nash, or outdoors or Supercross last year, did you? I, I raced just one of them. Okay. Uh, well, well, I tried to race more, but my bike wouldn't really allow me. I had a couple problems with it, uh, motor-wise, mm-hmm. that was just kind of fluke things. Um, but yeah, I raced uh, Vegas. It was the only one I really was able to make it through. Right. Uh, that's yeah. Like this year's been a, a lot better for you. And uh, despite not making the main, I think you got the most uh, amount of. Uh, TV time at Detroit yeah. where, uh, Unfortunately. Um, yeah, um, uh, Ralph Sheen actually had to go ahead and learn your name, uh, right on the spot, uh, when you clipped, clipped a tough block and ended up ass over tea kettle, uh, going towards that, uh, that rhythm lane, uh, tell get bring us into that crash a little bit because, uh, it was, uh, quite the remarkable get off, uh, although not, probably not too enjoyable for yourself. <laughs> no, that one was, uh, that one hurt, you know, I think that was probably, the worst crash I've had without breaking anything. I, uh, I knew when I came out of that corner that I kind of got a little bit sideways and I knew I was pretty far right, but I didn't think I was that far right. And it really, I was, I was wide open third gear and going down that thing. And next thing I know I'm, I'm sideways and then I'm slamming the ground. Yeah. And, we basically uh, stepped out of a second story window and, uh, basically shoulder slash head into yeah. the ground. I mean, it was crazy. If I didn't have my bell helmet on my head, I definitely would have been knocked out cold and, and all that. But yeah, no, that one, that one was bad. That one actually, I, I still feel the pain. I haven't even rode hmm. since St. Louis because of that. Like after that crash, I only rode Saturday of Toronto and Saturday of St. Louis just wow. because I was like it, my neck and everything. I was getting shot with, uh, I think it's like portal on the weekend. Um, you know, I was all taped and getting taped up before the weekend. Like, yeah, taking I've, the I've swelling been, down. Yeah, I've still been fighting it. Like, my neck still hurts quite a bit in my left shoulder, and uh, I still have a broken rib. And but there's nothing you can do about that. But uh, it's one of those things. I look at it like, you know, I could have easily just stopped racing and and like just went and sat on the couch. But I'm a racer, you know. Like, I wanted to be out there. Like, yeah, Toronto didn't go very good because I really just couldn't hold on to the bars and. But I went to St. Louis and qualified seventh and out out of a heat, and the main event didn't go very good. I think I got seventeenth, but you know I'm, I'm still out there racing every. Yeah, I'm still I'm still out there racing and and doing the best I can. Like I, every time I came off the track, like I was pretty much just had to hold my shoulder for the rest of the night and like just sit there and almost in tears. But you know what? Uh, you know I could have easily just just went to the couch, but I kept fighting, and uh, I think a lot of people saw that, and I thought that was pretty cool. Definitely. That's a great sign to a lot of teams out there that are looking for someone who knows how to dig deep. And uh, would, it, would it be safe to say that uh, this little three-week break that, uh, that the, the series has taken kind of uh, couldn't have been a better time for uh, uh, Justin Starling? Yeah, no, it was definitely... It would have been nice to have it right after Detroit, but uh, no, it was definitely... Uh, it was good. And especially in, in the uh, going into the break with another main event in my uh, in my book was was really nice and it was kind of rewarding to be able to you know take the break and just be able to just you know calm down have it on a good note and um yeah i'm starting to feel i'm starting to feel a lot better and i'm gonna get on the bike saturday and uh start getting to my outdoor riding and 
uh, yeah, no, it's definitely a perfect time to have this break, though. That's for sure. Excellent. So, um, you're, uh, I, and I, I, by the way, I do, I do like the, uh, the, the shameless plug of, of letting everyone know that you run bell helmets, uh, <laughs> right in there, your expl- explanation of how you survived such a violent crash. Um, yeah, you, you're, it was, it looked, it looked pretty gruesome, but, uh, you came away, uh, with, um, I'd say pretty minimal damage, uh, based on the, uh, the violence of the crash and, oh, it should uh, have you, been way worse. <laughs> oh, for sure. So who are who are your, your rivals out on this? Uh, or are there any real rivals out there? Like, I know you've probably got some buddies that you pit with here and there, but, uh, have you, uh, have you done any dicing with some, some different characters out there? I see in points you've got guys like Gavin Faith, uh, Landon Powell and, um, Jay Sowen and, and Ryan Zimmer, like, have you been banging bars with those guys at all, or is is it no, uh, is mean, it all smiles think, or fun and games, or what is it? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm all friends with all those guys, and I think they know that if there was anything to come on the track, that it, it's just racing, you know. And uh, I've never, you know, me and Gavin Faith back in amateurs. I mean, we, we've taken each other out before. I mean, big time. <laughs> <laughs> like he put me off berms, you know, like way off berms. But we're me and Gavin are great friends, you know. It's the way I look at it is, you know, I will never intentionally go in there and slam someone off the bike or out of the corner, but, you know, I'll kind of nudge them, you know, if I have to. But if I can make a clean pass, I'll, you know, I'll make, I'll, I won't even touch you, you know. I try to stay as low as I can. If I'm going to go on the inside of someone in the corner, I try to look at how Stewart has been lately. He, he hasn't touched anyone. You know, he stays low. And, you know, even after um, the heat race in St. Louis, uh, I made a, a very clean pass, you know, on uh, Leap by Kilbarger, and he came off the track and gave me thumbs up and everything, and I was just like, I didn't touch him in the corner or anything, did I? Like, I was, he's like, no, man, you were clean. Like, that was good. And I'm like, all right, like, I want to be able to be, make clean passes. I don't want to have to bang in anyone at all. But, uh, yeah, I don't I don't have any rivals. I mean, I, I get along with just about everyone. Me and Zimmer are great friends. Landon Powell is a great friend of mine. Uh, you know, all those guys, you know. So I'm pretty much the... The, the friend of everyone if you look at it but when it comes to the track if i have to hit you i will but if i don't have to i won't <laughs> there you go it uh only only when you uh awaken the sleeping giant will uh will mr starling uh exude his uh his dominance out there on the track so yeah i mean but if it's coming for the last corner for the final transfer spot or something like that i'll, I'll move you <laughs> don't get me wrong <laughs> <laughs> I noticed a few guys have um, have all, not not only grabbed a 450 but also entered their 250s into Supercross races on the West Coast. Have you given that any thought at all? Yeah, before before the Detroit, I had my crash. Uh, we were actually you know thinking about hey after St. Louis, let's go down to Houston and do a race a 450 class just for experience. And uh, unfortunately, I crashed in Detroit, and after St. Louis, I, I needed the time off the bike and. Uh, so we decided not to do it, but next year my goal is is to race every single round of the Supercross, but race you know the 450 on the West Coast and then go back to the 250 for the East Coast, and then you know after just go back to the 450 and you know vice versa. But yeah, we definitely want to race them all next year. Yeah, because I know like Dakotas has pretty much done that. He missed Anaheim one, but he came into the series at. Uh... 
I believe it was Phoenix, and he's been. I think it's honestly helped him out because yeah, it's when he time when the time you guys hit Arlington, he was already in full swing of hitting like basically he was in full on racing mode, and Absolutely. I think that that was a great way to enter the series. And I'm I'm glad to hear that you're going to be able to do the same for 2014. Yeah. I would have done it this year if I had bikes, but I didn't get bikes until a couple of days before Dallas. <laughs> That that is a hindrance. I could definitely yeah. see. Uh, you said you have a um, a mechanic. Is that the, the same guy that that works on your bikes during the week? Does he um, does he take your bikes to the track as well? No, no. I I, uh, I just use a mechanic on the weekends. Uh, okay. I can't really afford a guy for the for the whole week. Okay. But um, yeah, and no, I, I use just one guy on the weekend, and uh, yeah, I usually pick him up uh, on the way to the race, or you know. Uh, Maybe he'll meet me at my house or something before we leave. <laughs> but so, uh, do you drive to each one of these, or are you flying? Uh, no, I've driven to every single one. Wow. Uh, we drove in a F one fifty, a two thousand five F one fifty, and a ten by twelve black trailer to the first uh, all the way until Daytona, and then after Daytona, I, I have a Freightliner um, that's like a motorhome slash uh, shop in the back and all of that. Okay, but fun it's so over. Expensive to, yeah, it's so expensive to use it that we just we we haven't in a long time. And uh, XEO Entertainment um, is a huge, huge backing of me, and uh, they uh, they were willing to help me out with the financial funds to move it. And uh, yeah, so they got their logo on the side of it and everything. And yeah, we go down the road with uh, the Freightliner now, and we're gonna take that to uh, the rest of Supercross and all the outdoors. Wow, so you've you've got a I would would go ahead and say a, basically a title sponsor for your effort uh, to go outdoors, which is excellent. Uh, you're you're going to be racing a 450 or 250 on the outdoors. Uh, 250. We're going to stay with a 250. Mm-hmm. Do you consider yourself more of a 250 guy or a 450 guy? Because I know you're not a really small gentleman. You're you're I wouldn't say it, you're not a husky guy, but I'm tall. You're, <laughs> you're you're a tall dude. So yeah, uh, I would consider myself. I would probably consider myself more of a 450 guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I also really like the 250. And I think with the pro ranks, you know, you, you can't really go straight to the 450. You, you got you to gotta have a couple years of the 250. You got to cut your teeth and you got you yeah. to gotta learn. And, and the, exactly. uh, it's, a, it's a big difference going from 2015-lap main events to 20-lap main events. Exactly. And up People with might those guys. It's only five laps, but those, those are long five laps it's <laughs> 25% more at going yeah. at like like a lot of people like uh, especially locals like uh maybe I'm full bore for lap one and two maybe plateau in the middle and then maybe dog it for the last two laps you yeah. guys basically just sprint like there's very yeah. little putting in the time like every once in a while maybe you get a little bit lethargic out there and without without some some taunting from your uh your pit pit guy to keep you going you guys are just going for it you're you're yeah. keeping your lap times within a second the entire time and the only way to do that is to basically go balls out for for 15 laps and to add 25 percent of it, it that's it's huge <laughs> yeah it's a 15 lap sprint that's all it is but uh yeah i mean I, i'm a i'm definitely more of a 450 guy um i've i've won more of my titles in the amateur ranks on 450s and and i think uh if something was to open up as like a fill-in ride or something on a 450, it would be, you know, possible to take it. Like I would definitely think about it, but, um, with the 250, you know, I, we have such a great program going on with our privateer, um, set up with XO entertainment and office motorsports. And 
we have a really great bike and I'm really, 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 really happy with it. And, uh, you know, I just think that if there was something like a filling ride to open up on a 250, I'm not even really sure if it'd be worth it to even do it. You know, it's, it's one of those things that by the time you learn the bike, the guy you're filling in for usually comes back, you know? So it's, it's, it's almost better to stick with what you got. And, uh, and if there was something on a 450 open up, you know, I'd like to see what I could do on the 450 class. But, uh, other than that, I'm a 250, 250 rider right now. You've definitely been really successful in 250. You're cutting your teeth. You're, you're, this is is your third, I guess your, I guess your second full season, uh, in pro motocross. Yeah. Yeah. Last year I did, you know, Vegas and then the outdoors. And the year before that I did, uh, Daytona and then I was hurt pretty much all year until, uh, well, the year before that, that year was pretty much a throwout year. It was kind of just a bad thing with, with, a with a team and everything. But, uh, yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of the way I look at it. This is my first really full year with outdoors last year. Like outdoors last year being my like real rookie season, and then you know this year being my my uh, rookie Supercross season as I'm able to do all of them instead of just one of each year. All right, and uh, it's it's hard to say like what your progression would have been if you hadn't had your crash in Detroit. But um, and you you said you haven't been able to um, race during the week. I think you you went up and you stayed not far from Cole Thompson right after Detroit and stayed up there yep. throughout the whole Toronto race. Didn't make the main and then uh, went for even before heading down to uh, St. Louis. You were you were still up in uh, the Great White North. Uh, first of all, how much did you absolutely love uh, spending some time up here? up in Canada and um and but how did that how does that hinder your ability to uh to perform on the weekends when you're not doing any practicing during the week um Canada was very uh, I've been to Canada one time before and I went to Montreal for the Supercross and uh this time I was able to actually go up there and drive and, and do all that stuff and uh it was uh it was interesting um it was cold the whole time and I didn't even want to go outside one time. It was snowing and, you know, I come back down to Florida and it's, it's 80 degrees every day and I'm outside sweating in a tank top going to the beach. <laughs> but, uh, I was, you know, sometimes I almost think when I don't ride during the week, I'm almost better on the weekends. Uh, like St. Louis, I came in and I was still hurt. I was getting shot with Tortorol, you know, getting taped up so I could even ride. I could barely hold my head up. I had to take the GoPro off because my, my head would slouch down every time I landed off a jump. And those things hardly weigh anything. And uh, I went into St. Louis and I qualified out of practice the best I've ever qualified in my life. I got seventh in the heat. And the main, you know, my shoulder just couldn't really last the whole thing. It got really weak towards the end. And I didn't finish very good. But, you know, sometimes you don't have you don't have to ride five days a week, you know, to to go race on the weekends. You know, really, you got just maybe two days. That's all I'm going to start doing. It's just two days. And, and go race because it almost seems that I've done better in the past by doing that. Fair enough. So you, you, you set your base for the, uh, for the series and then uh, you basically just let your, uh, your ability and, and rest uh, yeah. come, come into and um, yeah, actually I think even James has mentioned that, that a few of the weeks, like how much really gains can you make from practicing during the week? Like I know like it's, it's rather unorthodox to not ride during the week but a lot of times uh, a lot of there's some some guys out there who um kind of forget to to 
to, to rest and that your, your body needs to recover and uh, yeah. you can benefit from uh, just uh, being calculated and going in rested and refreshed rather than beaten down from a week long of, uh, of going after it. Absolutely. I, I think the way, I mean, I've talked to big James and everyone um, in the past and I, I think if you don't come into the series ready and with all your speed, you're not going to gain it during, you know, it's just one of those things that if you're not ready coming in, you're never really going to get ready that year. But, um, you know, it's, you got to get it done before, before you get there. Really, Everything else is, it's just, it's keeping yourself on point, you know, and keeping yourself, you know, um, clicking with the bike and all that. That's all that practice really is. Once you're in the series, everything else is just riding, you know, if it's completely, if it's raining cats and dogs slash snowing in East Rutherford, New Jersey, uh, in two weeks, three weeks time from now, uh, what uh, what kind of results can we expect from Justin Starling? Because uh, are you a bit of a mutter or? I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if I podium. I mean, I, I'm a mud guy. He's just I, going I ahead and saying it. Yeah, I mean, it, it rains here. That's all it does in Florida. You know, like it rains all the time. So when it gets muddy and, and wet, that's usually when I excel. That's usually my best part. Excellent. So, I mean, if it if it rains there, it, it's definitely gonna be my best finish of the year for sure, hands down. <laughs> so you you've raced pretty much the entire. Uh, well, you've raced all the whole series, having missed a couple of rounds from either bad luck or some crashes. Uh, what's your best story so far from 2014 Supercross? Hmm. Best story. Uh, this this one's pretty good. We were on our way home, or wait, on our way to St. Louis uh, from from Canada, and uh, we got a flat tire on my on my Freightliner, about a four hundred dollar tire. We're sitting at the, this pilot gas station. There's a trucker walking a little puppy, and it's a uh, we don't really know what it is, but it was uh, a lab mixed with I think like a Jack Russell or pit bull. And we're like, oh, it's such a cute little dog. And the trucker drives or walks over to the front of the pilot travel center, ties it to the pole, leaves a toy, and gets in his truck and leaves. And this puppy's young. And we're really confused. Like, all right, well, we're going to go pay for this tire down the road. If the puppy's still there by the time we get back, we're going to stop and pick this dog up. Mm-hmm. We drive over, pay for the tire, come back. It's been about 45 minutes. The dog is still on the pole. So we stop. We wait for three hours because we're in no rush to get down. We're not riding during the week or anything like that. We waited three hours at this pilot truck stop for this owner or someone to come look for the dog. Nobody comes and looks for this dog. You got so a mascot, de- my friend. Yeah, so we decided to take the dog. You know, we're like, all right, well, we're gonna give this dog a home and you know, treat it, treat it the way it needs to be treated because the trucker obviously he just couldn't couldn't deal with him. So we get the dog, we get on the freeway, we get one exit down, we blow another tire. So we drive. You found all- another dog. What was that? Did you find another dog? No, no, no. No, okay. Never no. <laughs> no, we drive all the way back, get the tire fixed, and we go all the way to St. Louis that night, and we have a new puppy, and now we have a new puppy at home. Sweet. Have you named it? Uh, yeah, we named it Meyer. Actually, after uh, Rockstar Meyer Honda, the team I ride for over in Germany. <laughs> Perfect. That's a, that's a solid name for a dog and a good I reason thought it, for it. I thought it was pretty good and meaningful as a team has treated me very well in the past. Excellent, and you you plan on going back to back to uh, Deutschland uh, in the uh, in the off season again? Oh, absolutely. We're I'm going to go back over for uh, for the Meyer uh, Honda Racing Team again, 
and um, yeah, try to win the German Supercross. Awesome. Uh, have 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 there been any close calls with the motorcycle? I know in the privateer life, uh, sometimes things get a little sideways with uh, bike preparation. Has there been any close calls with the motorcycle so far? You know what? The bike has been great all year. We haven't mm-hmm. had any problems with it. It's uh, we we had a you know obviously when I hit the hay bale, we had a brake wrap around uh, the foot peg. Um, but other than that, the bike has been on point and. You know, my mechanic takes very, very great care of this thing, and I couldn't be more pumped on uh, more pumped on the way it is. We haven't had one problem. All right, guys, time for some commercials. So, do you like stuff or possibly things? How about a huge selection of motocross and street bike gear from apparel brands like? Troily Designs, Alias, Icon, and Power Bands, every single color you can think of. How about 25 years of custom suspension and motor service for a full service shop, all of which you can find at Capital Motorsports. Mention this Big MX podcast to receive a VP gas can with spout for only $40, as well as 100% off your next set of motocross tires. Just kidding, we can't back that up, but ask for about it anyway. Check out Capital Motorsports at 157 St. Anne's Road, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Or call them, not so toll free, at 204-237-6686. Make your way down to Westside Honda Polaris and check out the brand new Honda Grom. Honda's revolutionary 125cc fuel-injected mini-moto ultimate weapon. A must-see for all motocross enthusiasts. From the Grom to the usual suspects like the CBR600RR, CRF450R, Westside Honda Polaris of Suffolk, Manitoba has you covered. Check them out on the web at westsidehonda.ca. Call toll-free at 1-888-482-7782. Boom. West side. The crossbar, I really thought it would be tough to, to learn to ride without it, but man, I adapted. I really like it. Never experienced anything bad with Pro Taper, and that's that's the truth, not just because they're a sponsor. It's the truth. I've never had a bad experience. That's one thing Pro Taper is uh, known for is their bars not bending. Patchy Adams over here got me hooked on the Pro Tapers. I rode his piece of crap bike, and the only thing that was good on it was the handlebars. So I was like, hey, I'm getting a set of them bars, buddy. I love the product. It's re- really good stuff. Perfect. So let's uh, let, let's after we've gone over your 2014 very thoroughly, and I'm I'm pleased to hear that you're uh, you're doing well and that you're getting some rest going back into the series at East Rutherford. So let's jump into uh, the time machine, if it will, and go back to when Justin Starling was first introduced to a motocross bike. Uh, how does that? Who introduced you? Uh, how did it go? And uh, were you excited at first? What was the bike? And set the scene for us. Yeah, so uh, my dad, uh, he rode, and we had a track in the backyard, and uh, he, he he always rode when he got off work. He'd come home and get on his bike and go ride in the backyard, and I'd always watch and just stand in the mirror and make, make motorcycle noises. And uh, so my, my dad went out and bought me a uh, – my mom, my mom and dad went out and bought me a, a JR Suzuki 50, 
And uh, actually, the first time I got on the bike, I, I got it for Christmas on my, uh, I think I was four years old. Uh, I held it wide open out of the back door, uh, about 100 feet directly straight into a tree. And uh, I didn't ride for about three months. I was scared of the bike, didn't like it. And then uh, decided to get, you know, give it another chance, get on the bike. Uh, my dad said I did about two circles around the yard and rode it straight into a truck. Um, so so I safe to say you, you came to a, quite a bit of natural talent right off the hop. Pretty much, yeah. I was really good at hitting things. Right on. And, uh, uh, how did how did your mother feel about this? Uh, like mothers have a tendency to worry. Uh, how did how did your mother uh, feel about you riding dirt bikes right off the hop? You Especially know, with really, your tendency to hit things. I'm not really sure. You know, she's always been very supportive of everything I've done, and uh, I think I think she liked it. And actually, my sister was pretty good when she uh, when she started riding, and she started riding the same time as me. And uh, you know, after hitting the truck, I didn't like the bike at all, and then. You know, I was like, all right, I'll give it one more shot. And ever since then, I was just, you know, it was kind of one of those things. I was kind of just naturally talented at riding a motorcycle. And by a young age, I was already able to jump pretty big jumps and everything. So, uh, yeah, my parents have been really supportive of me, especially my mom and my dad. And well, I was my parents. But, uh, yeah, they've been very supportive of me in the past. And, uh, you know, they got me to where I am today. Sweet. So, uh, when was your first time on a track and, and when did you eventually start to race? I, I, I know that you, you started going to Loretta Lynn's at a fairly, fairly young age. What, uh, what, what age were you, uh, lining up behind the gate for the very first time? Uh, I think I was, I might've been five, maybe. You lucky uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I started at a very young age, which I think has been really awesome. But, um, yeah, no, I went down to a local track down the road for me, uh, PAX Tracks, and uh, had my first race on their little uh, mini track. Got the whole shot, let everyone go by me because I was scared, and I got last. Nice. But, uh, yeah, no, it, I, I started racing right, you know, locally. And, um, I raced At least you're a locally. good starter right off the hop. Yeah, no, that was awesome. I guess I whole shot at both motos, but I, I wanted everyone to go by me. But, uh yeah, no, I raced locally until I was probably six, and I started to win a lot locally. And my dad was like, "Oh, he was kind of introduced uh, or told about the the pro stuff, or not the pro stuff. Sorry, the uh, the amateur nationals." Mm-hmm. And uh, we started going out and racing those, and and I started winning, you know, quite a bit. And uh, you know, it, it kind of just, you know, I think when I was probably about seven, I was like, "Man, I kind of want to see where I can take this." And my parents homeschooled me, and and, uh, yeah, so we, we got really into it and, um, yeah, we were actually make, you know, able to make it to where, to where I am now. And uh, I couldn't be more thankful about it. No, like it's, uh, it's amazing to see that, uh, your first amateur national championship, as far as the letter, Lins goes was 2002 in the 51 CC seven to eight class over guys like Zach Bell and Justin Bogle, who, uh, like these guys had a regular day. It's not like they had a DNF or something. You just went, I believe it was one, one, two on the day and, yep. uh, and beat out those guys. Uh, what was it like? And like, did you, obviously at the time, none of you realized what you're about to, uh, embark on what like were those did you know who those guys were um and uh, what was it like to uh to win that championship yeah you know I, I, honestly at the time i i knew who bogle and all those kids were but they were my buddies that i would go run around and you know play with tour bikes during the week you know mm-hmm. <laughs> or during the weekend and 
you know, I think that title, like I had won quite a few titles before that, but I think winning that title and and being at such a young age, I knew how prestigious Loretta Lynn's was at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I think when I won that title, I, I, I think my dad, I, he told me it was like, I told him that I wanted to make something of this and I wanted to go somewhere with it. With it. And, uh, yeah. you know, that's where we really decided. I think I was eight or nine when I won that title. Um, and I, that's where we really started, you know, that's where we started going. And, you know, we, start, we, we got a, um, at the time I had a riding, uh, coach of Ronnie Tishner and, uh, oh. you know, we really got into it, you know, and, and, and I ended up, you know, I didn't win as many titles as Nico Lizzie or Adam Cianciarello or any of those guys won, but I was able to come out with 42, uh, amateur titles. And, yeah. and that was definitely a good way, you know, to end my amateur career and, and, uh, you know, and you were you were right in there. You were right in there with a lot of these championships. Like I look down your your results for for championships, and I see a lot of fifths, tenth or fifth, fourths, uh, eighths um, throughout your your amateur career just at Loretta's. So that means that tells me that you're right in there with the best of the best of the best. Like you look through that top ten of guys, and that's basically the who's who of that class that year. And you're definitely right in there with those guys and possibly like a couple of them, maybe a bad start or um, a, one bad moto in that range of three takes you from a top three spot, puts you in sixth or something like that. So you're right in there with these guys and actually surprises me that coming out of the amateur ranks that you didn't end up uh, securing yourself more of a, 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 a more of a sturdy ride but um more or less just shows that you've had the speed all along and it and it's uh, been definitely something that you've been able to harness and 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 uh and work hard for yeah you know loretta's loretta's never really been good to me i uh that's one that, that was my favorite amateur national besides minios that was my favorite one and you know i always work so hard going into it but if one bad moto takes you out of the title you know if that's just the way it is and, um, you know, I, I can never seem to put three motos together there, and, and I don't really know why. But, uh, yeah, I was able to get two titles there, uh, one on a 50 and one on a 450. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. And even in the 450 class when I won it, the first moto, I, I, I almost ruined it. I made it to third and then went down and went back to, I think, 22nd and then made it back to third in that moto. Like, it's, it's one of those things that it, it's very easy to lose a title there, and it's very very hard to win one definitely and, uh, like you, you know, if you're that far back you would have been passing guys like uh my personal favorite dusty pipes which is possibly the best name in sports history um yeah. dakota tedder cole uh cole martinez uh nick paluzzi all, like a lot of these guys were, were are top level riders in the in the sport aj cotton zero yeah. miles tedder um and the like these guys are, are all super fast they've been fast for a long period of time and you're able to uh, work your way back to a, a third in the first moto finishing out with two wins uh on your suzuki and uh like definitely had some success on that day i also noticed that you literally rode every single manufacturer other than yamaha uh what's <laughs> yep. your what's your beef with the, the blue bikes um you know, I have none. I, I always liked Yamaha when I rode them. Uh, I, I've, I've rode them. I've just never, during the amateur scene, um, I rode for American Honda, I rode for Team Green, and I rode for American Suzuki. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was never really a, a Yamaha team, you know, yeah, like during the amateur thing. So I never really had 
the chance. You know, when I was on 60s, obviously there was no chance yeah, to ride for Yamaha. There was no 60s for them. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I have no problem with Yamaha. I think they're a great bike. You know, I just, I never, there was never really a team for me to go to them. I always had, you know, obviously I think any kid would do it. But mm-hmm. if you have an off, you know, an offer from American Honda, or go buy Yamahas, you know, which one do you do? <laughs> no kidding. Pretty, yeah, you know, it's pretty easy to go with the American Honda. You know, it's a no-brainer, so to speak. Um, who, uh, who are your like? Did you have some any local rivals that you heard, or maybe some local guys that you just enjoyed riding with? And, and what kind of tracks did you? Uh, I know you you said you were homeschooled. Like, were you doing quite a bit of racing away from the Nationals, or were you mainly focused on, like you said, racing the stopwatch and then taking those skills to the Nationals? Yeah, um, like, during the, when I was on 50s and stuff, me and uh, Grant Rainfield, uh, we had, like, a little rivalry, but we were best friends. Like, we parked together every weekend, but during the, the races, me and him were first and second every weekend, and it was, like, a rivalry on, on the track, but off the even track, we were best buds. Yeah, even at Loretta's, me and him battled it for the for my 50 title there, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so I mean it was. Uh, I never really had any like big rivalries, but I had Grant was definitely the most memorable one uh, for sure. But uh, yeah, during the weeks and stuff, you know, I, I never really ride with a whole lot of people. But lately, you know, during outdoors when I'm home, I'm able to ride with some of my buddies uh, like Austin Starkweather and Mikey Morello and all those guys that live close to me. But uh, other than that, you know, it's I kind of just do do my own thing when I'm on the road. But mm-hmm. uh, when I'm home, I ride with those guys on outdoors because, um, you know, they they're just you know kids who ride here and, and uh, you know they they're successful in their jobs and everything like that. You know, they're they're not uh, as serious as I am uh, with it being my job to race motorcycles. Mm-hmm. So they don't ride supercross, is what I'm saying, basically. Yeah, but, fair uh, enough. Yeah, they they don't go huck their meat on the uh, 65 foot triples. That when I was out at uh, Milestone on a trip down to California, just about uh, just quaking in my boots, just walking out there and looking at these yeah. jumps. There, you guys are. No one gives you guys nearly enough credit for the things that you guys do out there and uh, right. adapting to a track literally the same day maybe jump into that just for half a moment i know we're, we're going through some of your amateur stuff but what's it like to go into a brand new supercross track at 10 o'clock on a saturday morning and know that um by about three o'clock you have to have this thing dialed well it's uh honestly the way i look at it is it's probably the best part of the day first practice is my favorite one because there's nothing better than learning a track and i've always been able to adapt to something very quick and uh, if you really think about it and you watch practice, you got to have the track dialed by second or third lap because by that first practice, it's usually sometimes faster. You have to be able to go out the first lap and throw down the fastest laps. So you within eight minutes of the first practice, you got to have it dialed. And uh, I think that's my favorite part. You know, I, I, it's I've always been a jumper, so when it comes to jumping, it's never been a problem for me. And uh, I'm more of a taller kid, so hitting loops is no problem for me either. You know. And, uh, yeah, I think I think it's fun. I think a lot of people, and maybe not a lot of people, but most people will have problems adapting to a track like that. But for me, it's 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 easy. You know, I love it. Well, that's excellent. I think that uh, I the, the the fact that you relish that probably adds to your. Um, adds to your success that you you approach it with a really positive attitude and sometimes that's the biggest key is to be able to go into a situation that is pretty adverse like I know even for myself 
going into a track I've never been at before a couple of practice sessions I still don't feel totally confident even like going out to a brand new track at California in California when we would uh would just go practicing by the end of the day I still wasn't super confident that I'd learned it but you guys have the ability to go out there and kind of take that challenge as a positive spin it around and go kill it that's uh that's something that not enough people really give you guys credit for yeah we uh you know if you look at i mean every super well most of them you know durworks does a great job at building the tracks and most every supercross triple is the same size they, they, i think they're all like 65 70 feet yeah, so i mean they're all about feet. the same speed you know you know it's one of those things you, do, you don't have to learn a new size jump it's the same you know um the hardest thing learning the track is the dirt you know because every weekend is different like we went from dallas where it was like riding on cement to Atlanta the next weekend where there's ruts everywhere, you know? So learning, learning the dirt's the hardest part, but, uh, you know, the tracks is very easy. That was definitely the hardest part. It looked like, uh, some guys were struggling. Go out there and hug something that shouldn't be jumped. (laughs) Yeah. Which was that? Was it like, come on, I don't want to jump that. (laughs) Was it Atlanta or was it, uh, Indianapolis that, um, Adam was quadding over top of, there was like a, a step on, step off that none Indian of the 50 guys, it was Indy. And yeah, I never even he, did that. Nope. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I, I don't think I saw anyone else do it. I literally, I, I don't think Stuart. I saw. Stuart was the only other one that did it. Stu and some 17-year-old kid with uh, shoulder issues uh, yep. just sending this sucker. Like, um, I, I believe he's, he's from uh, like... Um, Adam's from closer to down there. Have you did you ever ride with him growing up? I guess he's yeah. quite a few years Actually, younger than Adam, you. But I rode with Adam quite a bit. Um, him hmm. and Jack Freeberg always stayed stayed together, and those uh, guys are tight. I was able to ride with them because they're from Port Orange, which is only about twenty five minutes from me. Oh, perfect! And uh, you know, I, I would talk to Adam's dad in the mornings and ask like, "Hey, where are you guys going to ride?" Oh, Bosswick and X. Oh, cool! Can I go out there and do do motos with you guys? Absolutely. So I mean, wow. it was always cool. I, I was able to ride with them quite a bit. Um, and then Adam, when he was on Super Mini, she started going down to Villa Potos and you know, mm-hmm. I don't really know Ryan, so I, I was never able to go there. Yeah. And uh, obviously that has helped him quite a, a lot because that I think it's amazing. I think it may have helped him out quite a bit, a little bit. He, uh, he's, he's had some amazing. excellent ride days with some uh, some of the, the who's who of the sport. I remember I think even yeah. when he was like eleven or twelve, maybe thirteen years old, he has a a, a ride day at Jeremy McGrath's house. Yeah, it is compound, and like that's just something that uh, kind of reserved for the who's who of anything. And uh, he just goes out there and kills it, and he's hitting these gigantic jumps on his super mini. And I think I'm um, like those thing. I those pro circuit, like uh, the I you would know the team green cowies are absolutely just unreal. So even even those bikes, which are nothing compared to what he's on now, even those team green bikes are amazing. I mean, those bikes are way better than a lot of amateurs can get. And then, you know, I would absolutely just love to, you know, jump on a Geico bike or even a PC bike and just, just to see what I could do with it, you know. And obviously that, that's nothing, you know, that's a little bit of Adam's help for his success, but Adam is surrounded by the best, the yeah. best that you can possibly get. And, and with the kid's work ethic and, and obviously natural talent on a motorcycle, he should be the two for the East Coast champion. Absolutely. Absolutely. No oh, he's it. got he all be. the ingredients. He's got the, the, the program with the right yeah. people around him. He has the most educated advisors. He's got Absolutely. everyone put in place to make sure that he actually really doesn't have to make too many uh, decisions, so to speak. He just has to go out there and do it. 
And he's given uh, the best, and all he's got to do is jump on that bike and and do it as, as he's told. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, before he got hurt, he was a champion, or he was leading the points, and yeah, and he, he would he would have won it easy, no doubt about it. You know, I think so as it, well. But and sometimes I'm... life throws curves at you that you're not always wanting. <laughs> Yeah, I know. He he recently ex- described his shoulder dislocation on the on a different show, and um, it like having shoulder issues myself, I could definitely sympathize with the like a, just a freak thing like that happening. I think if that shoulder doesn't come out at that very moment, uh, we're looking at uh, we're 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 much anticipating Ryan uh, uh, or Adam, sorry, um, taking home his first first championship as a pro, but. Getting back to yourself a little bit, um, what's the biggest difference between your motorcycle uh, and something that I would pick up? Like, uh, a, uh, what's like, what were the, what were, how do you set it up, or or what do you do to change the the way the bike works or the way the bike acts underneath you? And what does someone have to do to their like? You obviously get a production bike. Uh, What would you do as the first thing to kind of make a production package more performance oriented or maybe a little bit more customized for someone? Honestly, there's nothing. Um, the way I build my motor is a little bit more bottom uh, than top end for Supercross. And then for outdoors, it's almost the same because no, the way I look at it is that by the time the racing comes around, the track is already so rough that you don't need a lot of top, top end speed because you're never going to be wide open down those trailways and stuff. Right. But, um, you know, I build, I build my, uh, well, I have uh, Gary Buecher at GPS suspension build my suspension. Um, a little bit stiffer in the front um, and a little bit softer in the back for when I hit the loops for Supercross. Uh, for outdoors, I do a little bit softer in the front and a little bit stiffer in the rear. Um, but other than that, it's everything's production, you know, other than like the works connection stuff I have on my bike or, uh, you know, the Sunstar sprockets or the Mika handlebars um, or even the ARC levers that I run. Uh, other than that stuff, it's, you know, my radiators are completely stock. Uh, the frame is shined up a little bit, but other than that, it's, <laughs> it's completely, you know, what you get off the floor. Now, actually, you know what? I, I took a quick look at uh, moving, like just a kind of a thing I noticed. Colton acts. Uh, 250F. Not only was he riding a 2013 Honda, but he had the stock brake perch on that sucker. Oh, really? Yeah, he like at the at Anaheim one. He had the stock brake perch on the bike, which I was surprised to see. But uh, the kid was running it, and he put it in the main. So yeah, uh, yeah you, you don't have to go out there with all the bling to make these things happen. It's more or less yep. about how you guys uh, twist the throttle. And uh, I know uh, you've had some success indoors as well as out. Um, have you set really any any goals? I know you mentioned before that you're just kind of out there having fun, but for the 2014 outdoor season, you're planning on hitting them all. And uh, I know you you scored you scored points at both Buds Creek and and Millville this last year. Uh, first of all, what did you like about those two tracks, and uh, what do you plan to do going forward for 2014? Um, really. If I can just be scoring points every moto, that's my goal. If I if I get 19th overall every weekend or 20th overall, you know, at least I'm scoring points. That's that's the main thing. I think the main goal by the end of the season is really to uh, is to have the lowest number you can get. You know, that that shows how well you did. You know, and that that also the lower you go, the higher your uh, your profit is going to be with it with getting a ride. Um, but yeah, just if, as long as I can be scoring points every moto, like I was only able to do that uh, 
at Red Bud last year to be able to score points both motos. Yeah, 18th um, and 20th, or 19th and 20th. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, well, I scored three points, but, it, you know, at least I was able to score points every moto, you know. So that was definitely uh, the the highlight. Especially I love Red Bud. That's, like, my favorite outdoor. But, um yeah, so I mean that's that's really the uh, the main thing is is for me next, for this year is to just be scoring points. That's it's it's at the end of the day for me it's how many points I can have by the end of the year, you know, and uh, that's about it. Uh, all right, so uh, we're just winding down here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say a few names, and you 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 can if you can tell me your best story or maybe a. a um, like a, a little tidbit about uh, maybe the quirks of, of one of these guys, uh, starting out with Malcolm Stewart. Oh, Malcolm. Uh, what can I say about Malcolm? He is, uh, he's a great friend. You know, he's also uh, a great rider, uh, great mentor. You know, he's, he's a great dude. Uh, and when it comes to stories, though, uh, let's see. This is a kind of a funny one. I actually uh, told my girlfriend about this the other day. Um, I took, he lives right down the road from Disney World, and uh, he'd yeah. never been. This was back in 2009, and, uh, you know, we're getting ready for Loretta's, and, and I'm like, oh, dude, let's go to Disney. Like, dude, I'll take you. You know, like, let's just go. And he's like, all right, all right, whatever, let's go. So we go, and, you know, he's all pumped that dude, we're going to Disney World. This is sick. I'm like, dude, I know I haven't been in a long time. And uh, we go there, and we're kind of confused as to why, you know, there's so many... Uh, I guess you could say, you know, gays and lesbians walking around. Okay. And uh, I brought him there on gay weekend. And uh, it was just me and him walking around, and he was pretty upset about it. <laughs> but, yeah, it looked like we were a couple <laughs> going That's... to Disney World on gay weekend. <laughs> Justin Starling and uh, Mookie Stewart hand-in-hand hand walking among <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, much of the same there at uh, Disney World. That's very special the two of you could share that weekend together. It was so awkward. <laughs> All right on. Um, what about a guy like Jesse Wentland? Uh, he, I believe you've petted with him a couple of times uh, throughout the year. Um, yeah. What's a, a Jesse Wentland story? He, you're number 99, he's 88. There must be some parallels there. You know, uh, Jesse's a good kid. Um, I don't know him all that well, but uh, he, he's been staying down in, uh, down in Florida during the Supercross season. And... Um, Actually, I think he's I think he's still down here. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, the week before Daytona, he actually came out and rode uh, with me at my house. And he's a really shy kid. You know, he, he really doesn't talk much. He does his own thing. He he sits over at his van. He drinks his drinks. You know, you know, eats whatever he has to eat during the day. He goes out and does his motos. Comes back, does the same thing. Does his motos. Comes back, and then he's like, "All right, man, thanks for letting me ride. I'm gonna go home." And then it's just like. All right, man, no problem. You know, it's just like he's a really, really quiet kid. Um, obviously, he's very fast. Uh, I think he's like 16th in the points right now. So, obviously, he's a very great rider. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. 18th no, right I mean, now, actually. Is he 18th? 18th, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's still really good. Top, anything, oh, that's top 20. Top 20 <laughs> he's, he's, uh, yeah. He got 10, 10 points at Atlanta, which was your best round. Uh, missed yep. a couple of uh, rounds due to uh, some crashes uh, in, in qualifying and the heat race. And then, um, yeah, he finishes out. like He's got uh, 34 points on the year. So he's, he's doing yeah. really, really well. Yeah, so that's really, really awesome. And uh, no, he's a great, great kid. Like he, uh, He's someone that's going to go really far just for his work ethic and his personality and obviously the way he rides his bike. 
Okay, and um, what about uh, give give me an Adam story, or maybe uh, um, either an Adam Cianzarillo story or a Moto Dad story, because that kind of goes a little bit hand in hand. Because uh, yeah. there's been some pretty ridiculous stuff going on uh, for the last few years, definitely in the amateur series. You know, uh, Adam, his dad raised him right. You know, like he raised him very, very professionally. You know, and there's no, you know, obviously no embarrassing stories about Adam, you know, or anything like that, because his dad obviously wouldn't allow him to do anything like that. You know, he, he keeps him on a short leash, short leash, which was a very, very good thing. And, uh, you know, I don't really have anything like that. All then, you know, Alan is a very great guy. And, uh, you know, th- those two, uh, I don't really have any, like, stories, you know. Like, that, that kid has always been, he, he does... He did everything from the 50s to what he's doing now the right way. And, uh, yeah, so there's no really embarrassing stories or, or I mean, I don't think, you know, a lot of people say, you know, Alan Cinderella was a crazy moto guy, and, you know, like yelling at his kid and everything. But it, Alan loves his kid, and he treats him, you know, if he wanted to do it, you know, if he wanted to be the best, clearly what Alan did for Adam worked. You know, that kid came out in his first Supercross ever and won. You know, and yeah. and I don't think I don't think in any way that Alan was a crazy motor dad. You know, I yeah. personally think that he was doing what was best for Adam, and as everyone can see, it worked. Oh yeah, no, I, I more say. or less meant the uh, crow's crazy moto dad in the sense that there's always a lot of. Uh, um, families or will want to tear these guys down like i want to protest his bike because my kid like there's no way he beat my kid and stuff like that like were there any uh, instances like that that you know of anyway or maybe someone from your end that uh, tried to, to tear you down uh during uh, your tenure as an amateur uh nobody ever really tore us down i mean we i think uh i think the best one though would be uh like our rivalry with grant ransdale uh me and him that 2002 loretta's when i won uh I'm not really sure if it was him or KTM that did it, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, he was on a KTM. You're on a Cobra. Yeah, and uh, I remember uh, Grant's dad being pretty upset that Grant didn't win, and um, they actually tore my 50 down and protested every single thing on the bike, and even down to the bolts, like everything. And uh, we won. We were actually riding a 2001-50 because that's the bike I felt more comfortable on going into. It was like my practice bike or something with a fresh motor. And, uh, yeah, I think that was the craziest one. It's like the fact that they tore down everything all the way down to the to the bolts, you know, from the motor to the complete inside of the motor to the, to the frame to the plastic. Like the, they brought the bike home in boxes. And that was it. <laughs> Fair enough. I think that was like the craziest thing that ever happened to us ever. That and from that's from a, the, a very young age, at the age of eight years old. Uh, yeah, you, you're, you're celebrating a championship, watching your motorcycle get torn down to the very core. That's uh, got to be uh, a very confusing time for an eight year old. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I remember sitting there at the award ceremony. You know, my dad had to get taken up by the AMA guy with Grant's dad to go into the back to see if they're going to give the title to me. Or they're gonna, you know, dock me or give it to Grant or something like that. I remember sitting there, my mom going, "You might not get this title." I'm like, "What are you talking about? Like, what do you mean I'm not gonna get the I title?" Mean, you know? I won that moto, fair and square. Yeah, I won it. I was up there with the number one plate. It's mine. Yeah, yeah. And they took pictures and back. stuff. Kel- Kevin Kelly talked to me. 
Yeah, then they came back and they're like, you know, obviously it's you. you you're riding a year old bike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm, I mean, there's nothing. I, I wouldn't cheat. You know, I don't think my dad would cheat. You know, we've never done that. So I think that, or, you know, even back in the day, Adam Chatfield uh, claiming Ryan Villapoto's bike at an amateur national. Hmm. And uh, that was a big deal. And I just signed with King Green back on 65s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Chatfield claimed his bike at uh, their Kawasaki Race of Champions. Really? And I remember Cowie was trying to come up with all this money to try to claim the bike back, but it wasn't actually possible to mm-hmm. do that. And uh, yeah, Mitch Payton wasn't happy because he built a motor for Ryan Villapoto that nobody was allowed to see it. And Adam Chatfield claimed the bike and <laughs> he got to see it. <laughs> Wow, that's incredible! Now, uh, just as a, as a quick uh, que- question, or like, if you were to say win a like a a qualifier, like a heat race, or even one day a main event, because I, I I do believe that if you've got the the speed to to run inside the top fifteen, that one day you'll be able to make that next step and get inside the top five, and maybe even steal steal a a, a heat race or a, a victory. What uh, what would uh, Justin Starling throw over the finish line? You know. I actually went over to Germany this past year, and I won Perfect a heat example. race. Yeah, I went, I went over there. I won a heat race. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember the last stop, I'm like, man, what am I going to do across the finish? Like, don't do anything crazy. Just just kind of do – you know, I just went over. I just threw a little point to the crowd, and Ooh. that was it. You know, after I kind of waved to the crowd coming off the track. but Taking it know, back I, to 1988. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't want to do anything crazy. I was so nervous. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think uh, – I don't know. I mean – a heel clicker maybe a knack knack do something like plus some freestyle into it you know I, I definitely wouldn't be like throwing my arm all around to come off like i just won the main event but uh i would either do like a nice little like fist pump or you know might as well just bust on a knack knack or a heel clicker yeah you're not you talking know? like a full-on fist pump like a ronnie stewart you're you're no, thinking no. more just a nice like kind of maybe just a half a pump kind of like yeah, to yourself like not that. a Full yeah. on like um, Megan Rutledge uh, fist pump. It definitely uh, would be the left hand come off the bar. Definitely not the right. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, that was a little bit of confusion for the young lady. Uh, yeah, that, I would uh, just do a nice little, just you know, take the hand off, maybe yeah. like a foot, and just do like a you know, Fair enough. good job, Justin. <laughs> no doubt. You yeah, know? move, move on. Act like you done it before. Quicker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, act like you done it before, and that you're gonna do it again soon. Excellent. Uh, well, is there anyone you'd like to thank or is there a, a way that people can get in touch with you via either Twitter, Instagram, or any other social media as well as who would you like to thank? Uh, yeah, I'd like to thank uh, XEO Entertainment, uh, Scott Amaral and uh, Jeff uh, Weiland over there uh, for helping me out so much with uh, getting me down the road in the races. Um, Altus Motorsports, um, I can't thank them enough for helping me out with motorcycles. I mean, that that's what really got me off the ground and and that's been a huge help uh with my racing this year uh asterisk knee braces uh rockwell is actually a pretty funny one i i had one watch from them that i got at thunder valley national last year and uh it got stolen at thunder valley national (laughs) and uh i sent them uh, a message on twitter i'm like hey my watch got stolen can you guys like maybe help me out or something i know like you guys just gave out 40 of them to like the top 40 guys, but is it possible? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And they overnighted one to me. And then I ran, so I was like pumped on them, you know, like I said, man, they didn't have to do that. And they did. They could think I, I was just saying like, Oh, it got stolen. I want another one, but it actually did get stolen. And I was wearing it 
in Dallas this year, the same one that they resent me. And I had this sticker on the back of my truck, a big Rockwell sticker. And uh, the, the owner, Rich, came up. And uh, he's like, hey, who do you go through at Rockwell? I'm like, oh, actually, nobody. You guys, you know, helped me out big time and reset me a watch. And uh, they're like, oh, oh, yeah, I remember that. Justin, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, man, give me your email and all this stuff. Like, dude, we'll hook you up. And they actually sent me a couple watches and stuff. So I was pretty pumped. Mitch and Chris over at Pro Circuit for giving me the best pipes possible. Actually, I just signed today with uh, Seven. I'll be uh, yeah. Since since the whole Stewart thing and everything like that, it was uh, it kind of seemed the best best place to go. Uh, Gary Buker over at GPS Suspension. Uh, he's made my suspension the best stuff I've ever had in my life, and couldn't be more thankful for that. Uh, David Kimmy at Engine Ice. Uh, he's been behind me since I was on Little Fifties back in 2002. He was on the podium with me when I won the Reddit. So yeah, he's still backing me, and I cannot be more pumped about that. Like he's amazing, great guy. Uh, Dunlop, uh, Enjoy, um, Mark and uh, and Robbie over at Enjoy for making my bike look amazing with the best graphics out there. Um, let's see, Twin Air, um, Recluse, also great over Recluse, giving me the best stuff you can possibly get for a clutch. Uh, Mika Metals, uh, Bolt, uh, Bolt Hardware. Um, Man, just it's kind of hard to thank everyone. One hundred percent goggles, uh, yeah, yeah, bell well, helmets that you mentioned. God, I can't even believe I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Bell. Uh, everyone over at Bell Helmets has been great. I've been with them since 2008, and my father, I've never had a concussion in their helmets, and I couldn't be more pumped about that. Uh, John Cuzo over at 100 percent, give me you know the best goggles. I've been with John since 2007, I think. Uh, and then Alpine Star, uh, Chris Sebenar over at Alpine Star has been huge help in keeping my ankles and everything safe. And I've actually been with Alpine Star for 14 years. Never worn another pair of boots before. That's excellent. So, no, I've I've got a few pairs myself, and they're second to none. Yeah, I, I can't I can't thank them enough for being you know such a supporter of mine. And um, Man, making sure I don't forget anyone here. I'm trying to look around for some sponsors or something. Maybe uh, <laughs> the sponsor that may be on the T-shirt that you're wearing right now, or you could at least say uh, that you're wearing a Unit clothing T-shirt. Well, see, I am wearing Unit right now, but Unit went out of business. Oh, so Unit is no longer existent, or else I would have banked them. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, that's, well, actually, you know that's what? news Unit to me. Clothing, actually, yeah, no, I thank Unit clothing for supporting me for as long as they could. Yeah, and, and so as they, well so as they went out of business. Do you do you have a an energy drink sponsor that helps you be a night owl on your weekends off? Uh, you know, I have a in, in Germany. I ride for Rockstar, um, mm-hmm. but it's just for over there. Okay. But uh, yeah, over here I don't have one. I I just you know I'm a water drinker. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, fair enough. You got uh, Rockstar of Deutschland to uh, help you up for uh, for the German series. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, uh, yeah. Other than that, no, I just. Uh, that's it. That's all. That's all for me. And uh, we we thank uh, oh, Kirsten works for Works Connection. Works Connection. Yeah, uh, they're huge too. They're all over my bike. And uh, George oh, Davis sure. at BPM uh, Motors. The hard, 
the hard parts, all that fun stuff. We thank Kirsten for giving you, uh, giving us you for the for the evening, so that uh, your girlfriend to help it, letting us talk to you for the whole evening. And uh, yep. um, thanks so much for doing the uh, Big MX podcast show. We're gonna edit it tonight and, and have it up uh, on YouTube tomorrow. So uh, sweet. Um, yeah, wish you the best of luck going forward for the rest of the season, and uh, look forward to seeing you and uh, flourish in the Nationals. If 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 not in the states for sure up in canada sounds great i look forward to it right on thanks again so much justin and uh, you have yourself a great night you too thank you thank you for listening to the big mx podcast brought to you by x brand goggles be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed check out our website at bigmxradio.com for more content